Coming to you live from Browns headquarters in Berea, Ohio, this is Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Brought to you by Jack, the official entertainment partner of the Cleveland Browns. Here are your hosts, Bo Bishop and Nathan Zagura. All right, let's do it live on a Tuesday edition of the program. And what a 24-hour period this has been in the National Football League. Z, if you think about what we were doing yesterday and all of the guys signing and franchise taking and all of this stuff, including our own action, we're going to spend a lot of time on the acquisitions yesterday made by Andrew Barry in his first free agency as a GM, which, frankly, he has crushed to this point. But we have got to start off the top really quick and acknowledge the fact that the greatest of all time has said thanks, but no thanks. I'm playing somewhere else in 2020. And the Carolina Panthers, who you've seen this back and forth between them and Cam Newton, where they say we've decided to allow Cam Newton to, uh, a, a, to go try and seek a trade. And Newton says, no, 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 you did this. So right. a wild period in the National Football League also reports that the Rivers deal is near close with Indy. So a wild period in the National Football League. Before we get into our things, just your reaction, and I'm going to spend most of our time on that, obviously, just your reaction to the news this morning about 10 to 9 that Tom Brady says, thanks, but no thanks. I'm going to go be a free agent. Uh, you know, it's interesting, and I think what Tom Brady is doing is following in the footsteps of the true goat, Joe Montana, the true greatest <laughs> of all time. And, you know, he's so synonymous. Joe is with the Niners. Brady synonymous with the Patriots. Joe ends his career with Kansas City. Brady, sounds like, could be ending his career with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, believe it or not. So uh, I was surprised. It seemed like it was headed this way. And I, when we were at the Combine in Indy, there were a lot of people that said they thought that was it. And and Jeff Darlington today uh, taking a victory lap of, of all victory laps over the fact that he had this right. Uh, Tom Brady obviously making his statement on Instagram, basically saying it is over. Uh, Belichick and Kraft made statements as well. And uh, it sounds like what we said, Tom Brady didn't want to be there anymore. I mean, yep. Robert Kraft said today that had he wanted to be here, we would have gotten it done. And and that was it. He sat down with Robert Kraft last night. Uh, Robert Kraft saying he loves him like a son. And, and that Tom Brady, I, I think he wants a new challenge. I, I, that could be, you know, maybe he'll come out and say what exactly the motivating factor was. Maybe he did feel disrespected. Uh, as some people are alluding to that the Patriots never really made an offer. But I think the Patriots offer was, look, Tell us what you want to come back, and, and we'll make it happen. Um, but sure enough, he's off, and I'm actually watching ESPN in the background, and Adam Schefter's on, and how ironic is it he's got a Michigan helmet right behind him to the left, a 49ers helmet to the right, a Kansas City Chiefs helmet, symbolic of the true great one. <laughs> I like how you turk this into a Montana soliloquy. <laughs> um, it wouldn't be me no. if I let you just come out here and just throw around greatest of all know, time I without know, any not, any pushback it's, whatsoever. It's, I understand. I understand. His um, it, it, it's a wild time uh, in the National Football League, and and where he goes, it, it does seem all the reports are that the Bucks and the Chargers are the two teams that are um, that that had the serious conversations and made the big offers. I've seen people from both of those contingents make their cases. And we'll see, and we'll keep you updated. Um, I've, I've heard some of the some of the big people out there talking about that something could come rather quickly on this. I've seen reporting it could be tomorrow. Uh, who knows? But uh, that's where we stand at that point in the news of the day in the, in, in the sports world by 100 miles is Tom Brady uh, no longer going oh, to be a yeah. New England Patriot. He will be 43 years of age um, by the time uh, the season starts. He will have to do so with um, 
you know, with an offense that, frankly, he won't have any time really to practice for than the typical training camp, and that's if it goes as scheduled. Yep. Um, it's hard to imagine any scenario where there's any sort of off-season program for NFL teams or OTAs or anything like that. So the, this will be a unique challenge for Brady, to say the least. Uh, the Arians fit makes a lot of sense to me. I think Arians' familiarity with Manning and Brady's of course. Uh, closeness with Manning would make a lot of sense uh, where that would line up. I also think so many interests in the Los Angeles area. Uh, he and Giselle have had a home out there before, and that roster is pretty good as well. Um, and I wonder about dark horse teams. I wonder about if the Miami Dolphins would get into it where he'd get to run the same offense, and they've spent a lot of money in free agency. The Bears? Uh, yesterday with Jones and Van Noy, you wonder if, if they would be someone that he would have an interest in. Um, you wonder if the Bears would kick tires on it and see if they could get into it now that he truly is a free agent. But we'll get much more into that at the bottom of the hours. There's – Guys, so much NFL news that's coming every minute. But as we get into the OBM Hot Topics, Ohio Business Team preferred copier provider, your Cleveland Browns, all the X's and O's for your office, call 216-485-2000 or visit ohiobusinessmachines.com. A.B., have a day. What a start to free agency for our new general manager, Andrew Barry. They identified what they needed in free agency, and they achieved that. Jack Conklin is a Cleveland Brown. I didn't know if he could pull this off after the pull for Hooper yesterday. It was hard for me to imagine that they would be able to go big game hunting again and get the best tackle in this class, but he's done it. Uh, reportedly a three-year, $42 million deal, $30 million guaranteed. And I love the play of Case Keenum as the backup quarterback. If you pay attention to the scores, we've been talking about this for a very, very long time, despite the reporting elsewhere that Keenum was the one that made the most sense. They get that deal done on a three-year, $18 million deal, $10 million guaranteed. Z, we've known A.B. a long time. You've known him even longer than I have. One of the great guys, we knew he said that he would be aggressive, but until you know, until you do it, you just don't know. And there's a ton of pressure on Barry to put to make this team competitive right away and contend in a brutal AFC North. I think he's made big steps in doing so with what he did in day one of free agency. As you were seeing those moves coming in, um, what was – I can't imagine the pure joy, obviously, that was going on, but uh, it's a heck of a first day for A.B. It's an absolutely great first day, and now the attention will be turned to the defense, but let's at least revel in this for a second. Uh you look at Austin Hooper, who they get in here at a contract that many people were surprised what a good deal it was for the Browns. Yes, he is the highest paid tight end in NFL history at this point, but soon I have a feeling this deal will be blown out of the water. And he's a guy, his route running, his catching, his contested catchability, his open catchability. You talk about where he is. He catches about 80% of his targets for his career uh, on catchable balls. It's almost 100% on contested. It's 60%, both second among tight ends in the NFL a year ago. His best blocking attribute, as you called him a five-tool guy, is actually wide zone scheme blocking. That is where Austin Hooper is at his best. Guess what offense we're running? The wide zone offense with Kevin Stefanski and the Browns are very excited about the possibilities of pairing Hooper with David Njoku. They, they think that is the way to go. They are pumped about it. Uh, the skill sets mesh very, very well. David's going to really need to work on his blocking. Uh, and if he can do that, you could have a very, very dynamic two tight end set a pairing with Odell Beckham Jr., Jarvis Landry out wide, and, of course, Chubb and Kareem Hunt. Then you get into Jack Conklin. And what the Browns did was say, look, we're going to have to pay big deals to Miles Garrett, Denzel Ward, and Baker Mayfield, assuming that they all play the way we expect them to in a couple of years. So we have money now. They front-loaded this Jack Conklin contract very, very significantly. So $20 million of the 42 will be in year one. Uh, and that way, when that number comes off the books, that's when other people will need to be play, uh, paid. And so his contract actually steps down. People think the Browns, again, got a great deal with Conklin. Yeah. Three years, $42 million. And where's he great? 
wide zone blocking. Our friend John Costco, Pro Football Focus, pointing out he was the number three rated tackle in the NFL on wide zone blocking. And so what they're doing is not only being very, very intelligent, identifying an inefficiency in the market with tight end compensation and the impact they can have on not only the game, but in this offense specifically, they pounce there, they get the top guy on the board. Then they look at the tackle position. They know they needed an upgrade. You still have an opportunity to draft one, but you get Jack Conklin, who was one of the best wide zone blocking tackles in the NFL. Again, identifying it and then intelligently uh, ascertaining that we can pay him more up front. We'll give him more guaranteed up front right away. He's happy with that. The Browns are happy. This sets up very well for them going forward on the three-year deal. And then Case Keenum, as you said, if you paid attention to the scores at the Combine, we told you this one was probably on its way to town. And a perfect backup, a guy who knows the offense. Kevin Stefanski was his quarterback coach back in 2017 when he had his best season as a pro with the Minnesota Vikings. And so he'll be able to help with the install. He'll be somebody who can talk to Baker Mayfield this offseason about yeah. this offense and really help communicate it and be that, you know, non-friend veteran voice. And I think that this is a, a great, great move for this team. Three of them, all very, very good moves. And now we have to see the defensive side of the ball where we still have some holes and some issues needs to be addressed. But you think about this offense, and I'll just say we plug in a good tackle in the draft. You've yeah. got a, a top, a premier talent at left tackle. You've got Joel Batonio at left guard, premier talent. You've got J.C. Treader at center, premier talent. Right guard, that's still going to be a question mark there. I know that the Browns did have some interest in some of the cards out there, like a Quentin Spain, uh, Spahn, who ended up signing. But so maybe they're still looking there. Right tackle now, Conklin. Tight ends, Hooper and Njoku. Receivers, Beckham and Landry. Running backs, Chubb and Hunt. Quarterback, Baker Mayfield. I mean, I, yeah, on paper, knowing what the scheme is, knowing the skill sets of the people involved, this is this has the potential. And it's going to come down to Baker Mayfield and realizing his potential. But you've got a great offense on paper, and now we need to do address some of the things we need to look at uh, on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, and we're going to get into that as the show goes on in terms of finding and identifying players that are a fit defensively. Big need there at safety, obviously. I think at linebacker and on the really all three all three lines of the defense are going to have to be addressed in safety, the most pressing of those. I want to touch on Keenum for a second because I think you touched on Baker Mayfield realizing his potential. I was talking to Laurenitis this morning about Keenum because he played with him in St. Louis, and I said, what can you tell me about Keenum? And he goes, he's a pro. He says he's a pro. Uh, yep. He'll prepare. He'll have Baker's back. He'll get Baker prepared. He'll have Baker in the right mind frame. Uh, there will be a focus to it. He'll essentially be a coach in the room. And if something were to happen, God forbid to Baker from a injury standpoint, Case could go right in and run the offense uh, exactly the way it's supposed to be run. So to get a pro in that room, um, that, that to me is going to be a big, big deal for Baker going forward to have somebody that he can trust, that he can rely upon, that can guide him along the way. There was a lot put on Baker a year ago. There will be a lot put on him this year, but he will have, I think, a better support structure this year than he had a year ago in terms of going forward. So I think that's a very, very big news. Always big when we can have Dan Orlovsky on. He will join the program coming up next on the wild day in the National Football League, headlined, of course, by the fact that Tom Brady will no longer play for the New England Patriots. You're off and running on a wild Tuesday. Cleveland Browns Daily, 850 ESPN Cleveland. You're listening to Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. 
All right, let's get right to it. Our buddy Dan Orlovsky, ESPN NFL college football analyst, former quarterback, and doing it. Hopefully, doing a victory lap today, Dan. You had a heck. You called this Super Bowl week. We all remember it very, very well. Uh, what was it like this morning when it becomes official? Did you still feel as confident this morning that this is the way this was going to go, and in the days leading up to it, that Brady would divorce from the Patriots? Yeah, I was. Yeah, I, yeah, I did. I mean, you know, when I set out to the Super Bowl, was like, what are the Patriots going to do? They got two months to prove to Brady, hey, come back. And nothing has changed. So I was super confident with it. Um, I just tried to look at it from a football perspective. I've, I've always tried to look at it from the football perspective. And there just there's so many better football options for Tom Brady. Um, that being said, when Jeff Darlington broke that news live today and we were on Get Up, I was, I don't want to say shocked, but I was like, wow, it's actually happening. Uh, I had goosebumps. This is 20 years. He's been the Patriot quarterback since I fell in love with quarterbacking. And so obviously massive fan and, and an idol in many ways and adored the way he played the game. And in some way it was an emotional. You, you see the ending of that relationship. So um, wild times. It's the NFL. It most certainly is, and Dan, the quarterback carousel is just spinning and spinning and spinning. And before we get into the Browns, just kind of your thoughts on this. I know you just called your shot Tampa for Brady. It sounds like Rivers to the Chargers. Cam's on the trade block, even though that's not something he necessarily wanted. Teddy could be replacing him in Carolina. What do you make of this quarterback carousel and how it's all spinning right now? Well, first of all, Teddy to the, the Panthers makes just an incredible amount of sense. Um with Joe Brady going there from LSU, from New Orleans, he was with Teddy Bridgewater for a single year. So that's a really big deal, knowing the offense, especially with what this offseason could potentially look like time-wise. So, and Teddy Bridgewater is a guy that everybody uh, roots for. Uh, I remember being on the practice field when we got news. I was in Detroit. We got news of that yep. Minnesota injury for him and thinking, my goodness, uh, his career is done. And to see him rebuild it is outstanding. So that's a really good fit. Um, I think Phillip Rivers to the Colts is the only fit for Phillip Rivers. Uh, Phillip Rivers can still play, but he has to be protected. He has he cannot move anymore. And um, it, in Indy having the offensive line that they do is a really big deal. The fascinating part for me with Cam Newton is this. How do teams find out his health? With the right. new free agency rules yep. because of the coronavirus, you can't visit anywhere. How do doctors put their hands on them and, and test that shoulder to get their own clearance? I think that's going to be a huge challenge to try and find as a trade partner. Maybe there's language written in there to potentially avoid it. Um, and, yeah, I think Brady ends up in Tampa Bay. I just uh, I think getting out of the AFC is really smart for a quarterback. Um, and just all the weapons that they have makes the most sense. Yeah, that's a wild one. You wonder what the backup plan would be with the Chargers if maybe they would go in on Cam. So there's so many things that are swirling right now in the NFL. Lot, a very, very busy day for our new GM, Andrew Barry, yesterday. Dan, uh, Jack Conklin comes in as a Brown. Austin Hooper is a Brown. And Case Keenum is a Brown. All of these things from our vantage point, first of all, we love them. But beyond that, in support of Baker Mayfield and putting him in a position to succeed, if you go back to the Kevin Stefanski hire, everything that the organization has done now this offseason has been putting him in a position to succeed. How do you grade Andrew Barry's first day as, in free agency as a GM? Yeah, really good because you address needs with good players. Um, 
you know, I, I've been trying to tell people for about six weeks now, maybe not that long, maybe a month. I've been, I honestly think Baker Mayfield's going to have a really big year. And I know Dan Orlovsky said that last year. I also expected Freddie Kitchens to have a pulse as a coach. And so I think the reasons why I, um, I, I love the moves are Conklin coming in is a good tackle. Is he great? No, he's not a great tackle right now, but he's a good tackle. This offensive line was a little bit better than people think. So if you draft an offensive lineman relatively early and you draft it well, then you've shored up a big issue for your, your, your football team. Number two, the addition of Austin Hooper is massive. Kevin Stefanski, the only team that ran more two tight end sets in the NFL last year was the Philadelphia Eagles. Well, they did that out of necessity. I think Austin Hooper is going to be his version of Kyle Rudolph. Is Austin Hooper a great pass catcher? No, he's a really good one. Same with Kyle Rudolph. Is Austin Hooper a great run blocker? No, but he's a pretty darn good one, just like Kyle Rudolph is. And the ability, you guys have had me on this before, and I've, said, I've tried to tell everybody, Baker Mayfield is a play-action quarterback. You can tell it by the way he sees things off the play fake. So um, Stefanski bringing those two tight end sets over, running a ton of play-action pass, that's why I think these moves are really good. The Case Keenum move is, is great because Case understands the role of number one job, get the young kid to play well, number two job, be ready. Um, let me throw something out, out, out at you guys because this is the fundamental reason why I think Baker is going to have a really big year. If you just take last season, last season, and there's five quarterbacks that really majored in the Kyle Shanahan, Mike Shanahan, Gary Kubiak play-action offense. They're Jimmy Garoppolo, Jared Goff, um, Ryan Tannehill, Aaron Rodgers, and come on, oh, Kirk Cousins. Last season, those five guys were 54-21 and 21 as starting quarterbacks, okay? Yep. They completed 67% of their passes. They threw for 120 touchdowns and like 36 interceptions. This offense schematically is built for quarterbacks to play really well. And so that comboed with the additions, big year for the quarterback. We certainly hope so. Talking with Dan Orlovsky, former NFL quarterback. And, Dan, you look at these moves that were made. You talk about this offense schematically and what it means. But when you can have a two-tight end set where you've got Hooper and the athlete and Djoku, the two receivers on the field will be Odell Beckham, Jarvis Landry, and then you've got Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt likely back on that second-round tender. I mean, if you go through it, how good could this offense be? And I know we saw a lot of success with the teams you just mentioned running this scheme, but none of those teams outside of maybe the Vikings, but Thielen wasn't healthy all year, have the receivers, the back, and the two tight ends at this level that the Browns would have. Yeah, I'm, I'm hopeful the Browns will be this year what I thought they would be last year. Yep. Uh, and I think this this is kind of the fit. You know, I, I would say that I, I – um, when, when you finally understand what a player is and what a player does well and sees well and doesn't do well and doesn't see well, that's when I think you have the opportunity for real growth. And I think that's why um, I'm so excited uh, about what they can become. Now, yes, I'm a glass half full type of person and analyst, and I think there's enough people in the world to tell people how much the other person stinks or whatnot. Um, <laughs> But I just I have to look at things through the vision of football, and I think that with understanding who Baker is and understanding what this offensive line is, the addition of a Conklin, and then the backs, like there's all the pieces, and now you have a head coach that 
from what we know, has some experience, has some play calling experience, you know, uh, totally understands what he wants to be. Remember, last year, a big problem with this team and really the offense was the lack of identity. I had referenced it to being like a teenager. They had no idea who they wanted to become. And I think that's the big part here is with Andrew Barry and and Stefanski, like they know who they are and they know who they want to become. And that's a really big deal when it comes to crafting offensive game plans. And Dan, just kind of, and that's, we know this team is going to have an identity. It is that Kevin Stefanski identity. And let me ask you, just kind of taking a step back, there were so many concerns. Well, Andrew Barry's in, youngest GM in NFL history. When you're able to go out and have a day one like this where you identify the guys at the positions you want, guys who fit the wide zone scheme, both Hooper and Conklin grading so high there, get them it for good deals, bring in a Case Keenum on your first day as a general manager, to be able to negotiate these deals, to be able to bring these guys in, what does that say to you about the perception of Andrew Barry around, and Kevin Stefanski also, guys wanting to come play for him, around the league and his ability to negotiate and get these things done with guys who were top-of-the-line free agents in this class? Yeah, respected and calculated, right? Not reckless, but respected and calculated. I think the great thing is when you come in as a general manager, and you identify how can I help our football team, not, n- not necessarily like how do I get our team to become better, not necessarily just focused on a single position, and just because you have the money to spend, spending it, but realizing, okay, Jack Conklin, one, good offensive lineman again, two, is going to go from a system that was run in Tennessee last year with Arthur Smith that now will be really similar to what Stefanski wants to do. So now you're, you have a really good understanding of what that player is going to become. It's not like you're asking him to go from a, a, a pass-blocking offense in Arizona to a run-dominant team with yep. the San Francisco 49ers. You know, you're, and then with Hooper, don't forget Austin Hooper has some experience in a very similar type of system as well. And so you, you get, you're getting these guys that are, are understanding of what this offense should look like. And then obviously the addition of a Case Keenum, and I've said this, it's such a challenge. The reason why backup quarterbacks make the money that they do, at least a handful of guys making a bunch of cash the way they are, it's a really difficult role. Like you have to go and do every single thing every day like the rest of your teammates and know you're not going to play. And so you, it's, it's an incredible challenge to get a guy that is willing to do that and willing to know that their number one job is to get the starter to play well, yet still have to go out and do their job if called upon with limited reps. And it's just an incredibly mental, uh, it's a mental challenge for a guy. And so for, for those guys to be able to go pick those those spots in case understanding the offense and being able to speak the same way to Baker is massive for those guys to identify those things and get them is, is really good. Dan, we know you got to run really appreciate your time and giving us a little bit of it today. Thanks pal. Thanks guys. Be well. He's one of the best. Um, Absolutely. Absolutely. The, a a lot of good things there on uh, the other thing I love about Dan is a guy who just kind of created his career. Uh, totally scratch and really talented guy who just uh, was found and was identified and found. And, and you know, there's potentially be on Monday night football next year. Who knows? Um, I, I certainly has the be, talent to do that. 
for any of us who would get to listen to the Monday Night Football broadcast, I think we can all hope that Dan Orlovsky gets that opportunity yeah. because I think he is absolutely one of the best at breaking things down, explaining things, and hit on, I think, a very key point. He talked about Tannehill was in a similar style offense in Tennessee. Well, guess who his right tackle was? Jack Conklin. Austin Hooper is a rookie, the first offense he ever learned in the National Football League back in 2016. Kyle Shanahan's offense with the Atlanta Falcons when that year they went to the Super Bowl. So this is a, a no surprise that these are guys who have some understanding of it. Case Keenum, all three of these guys have an understanding of this offense, were schooled in it at one point or another in their careers and now coming into the Browns. And I think that's a little bit of a point that really hasn't been touched on a lot. I think Dan hit on it there, and I think to be able to crystallize it like that was very, very important, and it just shows. And I thought the other thing he said, the praise for Andrew Barry, reserved, tactical, smart, you know, not being reckless. I, I thought that was very, very good stuff. And it shows, though, that there is some respect. We all thought, you know, with John Dorsey, one of the things we were worried about, at least, uh, you know, I was on some level, was the respect he had around the league, the respect that carried with agents, players getting to come here. Uh, you'd have to say Andrew Barry. It wasn't Howie Roseman blowing smoke when, when he told us at the Combine, you know, look, this guy is a superstar. You guys have a superstar. And clearly there are a lot of people around the NFL that feel that way about Andrew Barry because what he was able to do on his first day uh, was very, very good. I would say I would add to that. I would yeah, co-sign that, and I would add to that the the good feelings that people have about our new head coach and Kevin Stefanski. These guys no are choosing to play here, yep. and the good feelings that people still have about our quarterback Baker Mayfield and a belief that he can be special because you can choose to play whenever you. This is free agency. <laughs> these aren't trades. Uh, these are guys who had options. Uh, in in regard to to all of these contracts, there's no sense that there was an overpayment or anything. So these were guys choosing to be here, believing in what is being built here, believing in the quarterback. So I think that's a critical part of this as well um this has been look we're going to get to the defensive ish, uh, questions because there's a lot of them uh ab's got his hands full on on sorting yep. out this defense we're going to get into that more specifically in the two o'clock hour but from an offensive perspective and and what does it say to you that the most pressing things that this team needed were on the offensive side of the ball yeah and that's that's what they jumped at you know it's it's one of those things you Go back. What did you say the most important thing about last year was? What's the most important thing about this offseason? It's one person, right? Yeah. It's Baker Mayfield. And yep. so what you need to do first and foremost is create an environment that you believe will be conducive to the success of Baker Mayfield. Bringing in Kevin Stefanski was a part of that. And then now addressing the two things that he needs more than anything. A good tight end in this offense to be that main guy and a help on the offensive line done and done in day one there by Andrew Barry. Yeah, yeah. No, it was impressive. Uh, very, very impressive. We'll get into the defensive needs, and again, there are many. We'll get into that in the 2 o'clock hour. Uh, but a historic day in the National Football League and one that is ever-evolving. It's amazing, Dan. This is amazing. Like you, I have ESPN, ESPN on. We let Dan go about two minutes ago, and now he's on SportsCenter. That's how we roll. That's how Gibby rolls. We can't even get Two to minutes. hear him take his victory laps about the big yeah. key work that he is doing right now, which That's is right. sad because I, I miss him. I can't even see him. I, I want to. But look, there, literally, boom, there he is, uh, right, fresh off of CBD, straight to Sports Center. That's how, that's how it's done. Yeah, that's uh, right. We that's... said goodbye to him. Gibby sent me a text. He said, make sure we're out by 127 with him. I had one more question I was going to ask him, but he, he, the last question that you asked him, he had a longer answer to. So he took it to about 126 and a half or thereabout. And I said, you know what? Let's get him out. Let's be good. That way he'll, he'll treat us well and he'll come back. And then within 90 seconds, a little more, he's on SportsCenter. Pretty Listen, good. It's a good job. It, it, it you, is Gibby. pretty good. It's a great job by Gibby. And, it, you know, it shows that. 
he's a guy that we were with when he was making YouTube videos. Right. You know, I, I remember seeing his stuff, and I'm like, this guy is unbelievable. That was in the lead-up to drafting Baker Mayfield. And, and yeah. you think about where he's gone in that time, and frankly, he absolutely deserves it. Yeah. No, he absolutely does. All right. We will try to put what has been a wild and what continues to be a wild NFL couple of days into perspective, including the idea that Tom Brady is no longer a New England Patriot. Where does he go from here? What are the best fits? What are the contingency plans? Cam Newton on the market, but not of his own liking. We will get to that as well. Lots still to come on a and we didn't get a chance to talk about the Stefan Diggs stuff from yesterday because that happened after we were off the air. So Diggs and Hopkins both dealt a wild start to the NFL season. We get to all of it coming up next, CBD 850 ESPN Cleveland. You're listening to Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. for a free case review. Elk and Elk is a proud partner of your Cleveland Browns. Go Browns. Um, this has been bonkers. There's a, lots of, a lot of ways we can go here, and it starts at about 10 to 9 with Tom Brady saying uh, that his, his career in New England is done, and then Robert Kraft and Bill Belichick with some incredible um, statements that they put out via the Patriots that, that went there afterwards. There was a crazy... 20 minutes this morning where there was a ton of blame and Gibby's been listening to Boston radio, a ton of blame for Kraft and Belichick. So Kraft actually reached out to Stephen A. Smith in a break of get up yeah. or whatever the show they do is first take, whatever it is. And said, uh, said, Hey, if, if Tom wanted to be here, we would have made it work. He didn't want to be here anymore. So this was clearly Brady wanting to move on, wanting a new challenge. I've seen all sorts of parsing of his statement, like, you know, t- referencing being a California kid in a new stage, uh, thinking that maybe that means that he would go to the Los Angeles Chargers. Most people, including our buddy Dan Orlovsky, who's just on, say, Tampa Bay. From a football st- fit, which do you like best? Is, if, and then is there a dark horse out there that we aren't talking about that you think maybe we should be? I think from a football fit for what Tom Brady does well, it seems to me that the Chargers might be a little bit of a better fit. You've got Hunter Henry. You've got Keenan Allen, who's one of the great short intermediate guys in the league. You've got the big-bodied Mike Williams. You've got Austin Eckler, who's re-signed there. You've got a very, very talented defense with Bosa and Ingram and Derwin James. The problem is you're in the same division as Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. And so you look at – Uh, You go over to Tampa Bay and you say you've got Mike Evans now and you've got uh, O.J. Howard and you've got Godwin. They'll get a running back, I'm sure. And and that seems to be a great situation. Now, is his arm strong enough to run that big vertical game of errands? But it it doesn't seem to matter to me because they're talking about Teddy Bridgewater was their backup. Uh, for Brady and that means that clearly Aaron's feels he can adapt his concepts to someone who is all about precision quick decision making getting the ball out not necessarily throwing the ball 100 yards down the field so uh, I think that makes a lot of sense you think about that division Atlanta's a little bit down Carolina's going to be in flux you know you would have to contend with the New Orleans Saints but I think Tom Brady would relish the the challenge of being in a division with Drew Brees Uh, you mentioned Aaron's connections with Peyton Manning Roethlisberger so he knows some of the old established guard that really it was Brady Roethlisberger and Manning that dominated the AFC for so long. That one makes a lot of sense. Dark horses, yeah. I really think that the Bears, they've kicked the tires on everybody. That seems to me to be one where he could step in and and he could – that 
that team is just him away. You know, it, it feels like right. anyway. It's a quarterback away from being uh, dominant. Robert Quinn just went there to join up with Khalil Mack, rushing the passer. So that to me would be a great dark horse type of a team where he feels that he could step in. He's the missing piece. He's played in cold weather. He's not worried about that. And he could just come in and they would have an opportunity, I think, to to be really, really good. Yeah, the, the only other teams you wonder about, um, I, I wonder about the Dolphins with all of the, the money that they've spent on Van Noy and Jones. Uh, the fact that they have three number one picks that they could uh, invest immediately in an incredible influx of talent. Um, and, and you know, obviously familiarity, familiarity with system. He, he would not have – they'd run the same system, so he wouldn't have to learn anything there offensively. Um, everyone would have to get on page with him, but he wouldn't be learning new – and anywhere he goes, they're going to adapt it to Brady, certainly. Uh, but but this is – I just – that would be such a stab in the back, I would think, though, from the New England standpoint. I don't even know if, if – I don't know if he has that in him, but the familiarity is intriguing to me. I'm with you on the Bears. And the only other place just is like a Hail Mary. I just am curious about Dallas. Like – I know anybody who I talk to in Dallas, they're like, ah, oh, that old Jerry would have done that in a heartbeat. He would have kicked yep. the tires on that. But they're reporting today that um, that they offered a five-year deal to Dak Prescott, and he wants it to be a four-year deal so he can maximize money. And I just wonder, like, if they get to a point where, like, you know what, forget this guy. Let's see if Tom would come here. Um, that would seem to check every box because they are they seem to be ready to go, too, in a division that's very, very winnable and, and have a chance to be kind of at the front row of that division for a couple of years. Yeah, no doubt, and that's the one that when the other dark horse, sure, you know, Jerry Jones says, okay, let's just slide Tom Brady in here. You can be in a dome. You get to play for the most iconic franchise really in the National Football League in terms of the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, Well, why not? Let's do it. So that, to me, would not be a surprise. They would have to, obviously, and that would send the quarterback carousel really spinning with Dak Prescott all of a sudden hitting the market. Um, Will he do it? I I don't know. But that is one that if they reach an impasse, you rescind the tag, and, and there you go. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you just think about other things that possibly could be out there because I don't know. I think there a lot of people were preparing for this, and we had talked about at the Combine there was this feeling that he was gone. And you remember we were we were sitting at, at St. Elmo's before I nearly died on a shrimp cocktail. And, <laughs> and the conversation that we were having at the table there was the idea of the rest of everybody kind of is operating like the Patriots, Patriots are operating like he's not going to be there. Yeah. Um, and so they've been preparing for this. Everyone's, but I don't know if the whole league has been preparing for the fact that this actually happened. I think a lot of people are still kind of thinking, well, I'll, I'll believe it when I see it. Well, now it's happened. Now he's free. Do other teams start to get interested who maybe were not? If the Patriots were operating under a preparing that if he wasn't going to be there, is Jarrett Stidham really the answer there? Boy, I really would be shocked if that's the way that they went. Now, look, when Tom Brady was the one who who took over for Drew Bledsoe, would you have thought that that was the story it was going to be? I mean, I would give it to them and their ability to evaluate talent, especially at the quarterback position, right? Think about this. They had Tom Brady. They drafted Jimmy Garoppolo. Garoppolo ends up playing in the Super Bowl last year for the 49ers. They drafted uh, Jacoby Brissett, who ended up being a starter, even though it's not doesn't look like a long-term one, but a competent starter in the NFL for the Indianapolis Colts a year ago. Uh, and, and they they seem to like Stidham. Um, do I think they would also make a move for, like, Andy Dalton? Supposedly Belichick has always been a fan of Andy Dalton's game. That wouldn't surprise me either. I think Andy Dalton's a name to, to certainly watch. I thought Teddy Bridgewater would have been the perfect one for them, from one TB to another TB. Uh, he runs – he could do – a lot of the same things from a stylistic standpoint and a scheme standpoint in terms of what his strengths are. They'd match up well with Tom Brady, but it's looking like Teddy's going to be going to Carolina. By the way, right around $20 million is what they're saying. So Taco Bell really hanging in the balance.
<laughs> is it is it average is it average yearly over the course of the deal or is it guaranteed money? No, it's the average per year. Okay, so yeah, you're and the over under is legitimately million. twenty million, and they said that he's negotiating a deal for three years, sixty million <laughs> with the Panthers. Right. So in the event of a push, right I don't know it. what would happen. Speaking of the Panthers, this was this was an ugly look uh, for everybody. In, well, really them this morning uh, when they when they put it out there. This was about in the eleven o'clock hour that they've given Cam Newton permission to seek a trade, and then twelve, not even twenty five minutes after that, Cam they do this on Instagram. Not twenty five minutes after it, Cam Newton uh, goes on Instagram, comments on it, says, "Stop with the wordplay. I never asked for it. There's no dodging this one. I love the Panthers to death." We'll always love you guys. Please do not try and play me or manipulate the narrative and act like I wanted this. You forced me into this. Love. That's yeah. not what you want from your most iconic player in the history of the franchise. No, it's a sad it's a sad ending and, and obviously it's it's not a happy split. I would imagine most splits aren't necessarily amicable. Think about go back to the greatest of all time, Joe Montana, and what happened with him with the 49ers. And, and now Tom Brady probably feels that he didn't get what he wanted, even though I think he is getting what he wanted. I think he wanted to move on. Um, yeah, that was interesting. And Cam Newton, I know why he chooses to use such bizarre fonts to convey his messages. Is that a thing kids are doing? I don't know. Did I'm somebody else old. do that too? I'm, I'm I couldn't tell. Do you think that. Does that look like whatever language they speak in Turkey, or do you, or do you think it's like German? I don't know what it is, but it's it's the language of Cam, who is quite the fashion icon. Uh, so yeah. maybe he's just trying to have fashionable font as well. Yeah, it's that one's you knew they were rebuilding, but it sounds like they're not tanking. Teddy Bridgewater coming in is not somebody that that's not a move that you make if you're, you know, the guy didn't lose a game last year. He took the Vikings to the playoffs. He's still a very, very good player. And so uh, it, it is just kind of a shock and it, it's. I, you know what? We live in this day and age where we get to hear the real story, and I think that's what we all want to hear a lot of times in these situations, the real story, and I think Cam Newton gave us a little insight to that. And I thought that was pretty cool, honestly. They said, actually, yeah, this isn't what I want. It's what they want. Okay. Okay. By the way, did you see in the official uh, story on Carolina Panthers on their website, it said signaling the end of his nine-year career in Carolina, that they allowed him pers- yeah. permission to seek trade signaling the end of his nine-year career. So that makes you wonder if there aren't any trade partners. Are they just out and out cutting Cam Newton? Like, is Cam Newton done there no matter what? I'd I think say yes. so. I th- yeah, I think he is no matter what. And I think the problem is, is like Dan said, it's so difficult to figure out how do you trade for a guy with that type of injury history. In he really age. hasn't been the same since 2017. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet he's only 30. He was great in 2017. They went 11 and five. He rushed for 754 yards, six touchdowns through for 3,300. He was great. Um, but the last two years, he hasn't been the same. And so how do you come up with a value in, in a trade market for him? I, I think the perfect thing, if, if this goes Brady to Buccaneers, as people think, then the, to me, the, obviously the very next shoe to drop would be if you're, if you're the chargers would be Cam Newton. You already have Tyrod Taylor there who could be, you know, as the backup in that scenario, but you you roll the dice on Cam. Cam is a superstar, not the level yep. of Brady, but certainly a superstar who would garner attention in Los Angeles. Um, he'd be more than happy to sit courtside at Laker games and do all of the things that would be required. He's only 30 years old. You kick the tires on that. I think Anthony Lynn would like a quarterback who could move a little bit, so I think the fit would be pretty good as well. Um, to me, that seems like that seems like no brainer. Yeah, I agree with you. I think it seems like a, a wonderful fit. The Bears, again, seem to make a lot of yeah. sense to me, given that skill set matchup. But, yeah, L.A. needs to make some type of a splash. I don't see the Chargers going this season with Terod. We liked him. A great guy, great pro, bridge quarterback, great backup. Uh, but I don't – I just 
boy, wouldn't it be hard to envision that going that way? Yeah. If, if they just decide we're rolling the dice with Tarad, they need somebody to come in there. Like, that's you that's a definite destination. And by the way, we didn't even get to talk about this. is how crazy of a day yesterday was. I don't know about you, and you know you followed him a lot longer than I have. And I'll say that, although I very much liked him coming out of college. The fact that Jameis Winston on a season, coming off of a season in which he completed a high percentage of his passes, threw for 5,109 yards and 33 touchdowns, albeit with, yes, those 30 interceptions. The fact that he can't even sniff a starting job in the NFL seems absolutely wild to me. I think it's bonkers. And and I think if I were a team out there that, you know, if you had a good culture in place and you had a uh, a good system in place, I would kick the tires on him in a second. Uh, I, I just think – I remember what he was coming out. You mentioned the percentage of passes completed, the 5,100 yards. Yeah, the interceptions are there. They're always going to be a part of it. But if you could cut it by a third – uh, that's something you could maybe live with. And he's such a big-time playmaker with his arm. Um, boy, I, I'm with you. I, I'm shocked by that. I think it's amazing how quick – the idea that, that he would have to – that he's going to have to go like the Tannehill route, which f- frankly worked. I mean, it did work. Yep. The gamble paid off for Tannehill. But the fact that he's going to have to go that way is really hard for me uh, to wrap my head around. Um, I, I, I just think there's a lot of talent there, a lot of talent there to work with. He's had a lot of different coordinators, a lot of different coaches. Um, to me, I, I would – and just still so young, I would absolutely – I'm with you. I'm, I'm shocked by that. I mean, it's been, it's been a wild day. I mean, if you think about from a – in the AFC, what Bill O'Brien did yesterday with the trading of DeAndre Hopkins. And we pitch, we haven't even – we're on for an hour. We haven't even gotten to that, how he got a second rounder for him and, and, and the Vikings get over a, a one-plus for Stephon Diggs. Yeah. Yeah, he, he, he traded Jadavion Clowney and, and DeAndre Hopkins and didn't get a one for either one. Not a single first-round pick. Um, and then the Stephon Diggs moved to Buffalo. Um, on the surface, if you're a Bills fan, you're thrilled about this. Yep. But if you dig in, I don't like the fit here at all. Diggs is a precision route runner um, who expects the ball to be in a place on a certain time. And Allen, who's a, a great playmaker, is, is wildly inaccurate. Um, to me, I don't like that fit much at all in Buffalo. I love what Buffalo is trying to do there, but I'm not sure that that fits. And they gave up a one. He is very good, though, at catching errant thrown balls. And that's something that happened with Kirk Cousins more than people realized last year. Uh, I was actually talking to a couple people about this deal in particular, what the fit there. He's also never played with someone who's a true field stretcher like John Brown. So Brown will be the one to take the top off the defense, and Diggs is going to be able to work underneath, do a lot of the catch and run. I agree with you that when you think about when you think about Kirk Cousins last year, his completion percentage certainly wouldn't indicate that he threw a lot of Aaron passes. But you you go back and you watch that tape. He's been at 70% the last two years. He's not as uh, certainly more accurate than Josh Allen. One of the things that Diggs is, is known for, like Vlad Guerrero was a good bad ball hitter, or Kirby Puckett, may he rest in peace, a great bad ball hitter. Stephon Diggs is known as a bad ball catcher. And I wonder if that yeah. factored into their calculus of why he in particular would be a good fit for Josh Allen, who, as we know, we saw him last year, very impressive, does a lot of good things, but is not consistently accurate with his ball placement. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, that's interesting stats on a bad ball. There's, he's going to have a lot of opportunity to yeah, do it. He, is. Because he, he most certainly is. 
it's, it's absolutely all over the place uh, from, from that perspective. So there's a lot of, of dominoes that are starting to make sense. But if, if you think about it, there's eight quarterbacks, eight different quarterbacks that are going to be on different teams who started in the league a year ago. And, and we had wondered if this wave was going to happen. It did happen, and it will continue to happen. Coming up next, we'll take a look back at what we did offensively in Andrew Berry's day one of free agency, and then we're going to talk about what needs to happen on the defensive side of the ball. We will do that coming up at the top of the hour, CBD 850 ESPN Cleveland. You're listening to Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Second hour of the program here on Cleveland Browns Daily. Bill Bishop, merely here. The Great Z, which stands for Zagura as well. Uh, Rivers to Colts, according to Laka, yes. appearing to be a done deal. Yeah, and that was that's one of those ones that that's what you had heard the entirety of this time was that Philip Rivers yeah. is going to end up with the Colts, and it, it would appear as Philip Rivers is going to do exactly that and end up with the Colts. Yeah, that appears to be the, the situation there. We've spent time talking about Brady and his uh, decision to leave New England and that being the overriding sports story of the day, uh, where his new home will be. There are reports of the Buccaneers. There are reports of the Chargers being the teams who have had contact with him and have made lucrative offers. Uh, you don't know about dark horses. It's hard to say with this. Um, now the question then, and then the other thing you'd have to say, of course, would be Cam Newton, who's, who will be traded or released by Carolina, which is a stunning thing for a guy who won an MVP and led him to a Super Bowl appearance just uh, five years ago. Uh, but that's where he stands on that front. As for us, a busy, busy day yesterday, um, and we've talked quite a bit about it uh, in terms of what was done what I think is interesting was identifying that what this team needed most yep. was a tight end and a right and a tackle yep. and, and an adult in the room at quarterback up quarterback behind Baker, that those things are the things that were needed most that to this point, they've sat it out on the defensive side of things. Um, but that in order to be competitive and get after it right away, they were going to have to do it offensively. And they did Andrew Barry with a heck of a first Daisy. No doubt, and as we talked about, look, priority one was getting everything set up for Baker Mayfield, your franchise quarterback, to be in a position to be as successful as possible. And I believe that they thought that was that's goal one, right? We're starting from that is the, where we're starting from. That's, that's the jumping off point for all of our operations is what do we need to get around Baker Mayfield to get him to the point where he is going to be the best version of himself. And I think that was addressing the line and getting that tight end that is going to be that sure-handed, precise route runner. By the way, no, no shame in the fact that both of the guys they brought in to start in Hooper and Conklin both have played in the wide zone scheme, both excel as wide zone run blockers, uh, which is going to be the staple of this, which allows, as Dan Orlovsky said, for Baker Mayfield to be that play-action quarterback that he is meant to be in the National Football League. And so everything was done in a very calculated way, and I think that ultimately what they've been able to put together there is a team for Baker Mayfield to be as successful as possible. And I think you've shored up. Honestly, you're going to maybe fill some things out. Third wide receiver, if that happens in free agency or in the draft. It wouldn't surprise me if it's in the draft. Uh, that's something you need to address because, look, you are going to be without the services if there were to be practices. That's the other thing. This Jarvis Landry surgery may have, when you thought it was going to cost him opportunities to, to practice and get on the same page, it might not. 
It might actually. It's hard to imagine it, Z, honestly. I can't see any scenario where there's any sort of off-season mini. This is just me speaking, no insider. I just, sure. I'm just looking at the, the landscape of where we are in in society at large. It's, a, it's really hard for me to imagine a scenario where uh, a, a month from now, and then by that point you're into June, um, it's hard for me to imagine a scenario where you could have you know, any sort of OTAs. I could see maybe you could do a week, maybe, you know, end of May, something like that. You could maybe get together for a week. Um, but who knows where we are with this virus at that point. Right. It's 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 stunning. But I, I do think that's the one other place they need to look yeah. offensively. And now uh, Andrew Barry turns his attention to the defense. Now, there's some guys that I love. I don't see after such big splashes there that the Browns make another huge splash. Maybe they do. Uh, Dante Fowler Jr. is still out there. One name that I find very interesting, we found along was Anthony Harris. Did you see the report this morning that Minnesota, yes, they franchised him, and it sounds like they knew they were going to lose him, but the idea is he could be had for a mid to late round pick. So but I don't understand that. Like, they're not, if they, they have just put a tent, uh, put a transition on him. That's, yeah, yeah, right. If they wanted to do that, that would be to match it. But they wouldn't get anything. I think what they're trying to say is, look, we have a, we know this guy's going to walk. He's not Give here. Let's, let's, let's get something. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I it, guess, it's it's I odd in the well. sense that, but I also don't see them investing. Nobody would if they pay him the franchise tag, and they have Harrison Smith. They're going to be paying about twenty-five million dollars this year to the safety position, which nobody would be the highest number in the NFL by a, a wide margin. Yeah. Yeah. That's hard to, it, I saw that as well. And I, I, yeah, it doesn't make, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Um, as you get into, all right, let's go to the defensive side of the thing. We talked about what Hooper means. We know what Conklin means. I love the Keenum signing as well. We know what those yes. things mean. Uh, let's start, let's go from the back front and let's bad start day for Jimmy James. Bad day. Yeah. Bad day. Bad day for Jimmy. I mean, sometimes, sometimes you mess around too much, you know, Sometimes that's right. You mess around too much. There is a such thing as too much. Um, the let's start at the safety position and and names that would make sense uh, there. Um, the we we had talked about who is your guy from. Oh, there's so many guys who have come and gone. Who's your guy from from the 49ers that we thought made a little bit of sense, but then had resigned? Jimmy Ward. Jimmy, Jimmy Ward, Ward who is resigned now with the 49ers. So you look at the safety market and what there was out there. Anthony Harris was at the top of the list, obviously. I think for everybody, he's been franchised. But as I said, there were the reports this morning that Anthony Harris is a guy who could be had in a trade. And if that happens, what that means is the tag most likely is rescinded. You trade for him, and then you negotiate your own long-term deal with him. It, 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 again, it is a very, very odd thing that they are doing there. The franchise tag for safeties, by the way, is valued at $11.4 million. And obviously the reports are that they would trade him. Justin Simmons, franchise tag by Denver. He was never getting out. We knew that. Devin right. McCourty returns to New England. No surprise there. Good job by agent to the stars, Andy Sims. And then Jimmy Ward, three-year, $28.5 million reported deal with the 49ers. So he is a very, very, a very good player. Joe Woods knew him, so that made some sense there. So who's still available at safety? Haha, ha, Clinton Dix, Von Bell, uh, Demarius yep. Randall, who was with the Browns, obviously, but at, you never know there. You can't never say never, but doesn't seem like he would be back. Trey Boston, a name I keep coming back to, keep signing we these one-year deals and keeps year. playing very, very well. 
Uh, Carl Joseph, Tony Jefferson, who was recently with the Ravens, but seemed to struggle. A guy the Browns targeted a few years ago when Andrew Barry was at the top of the talent pool, uh, talent, you know, acquisition department with the Browns under Sashi Brown. And they thought they were getting Tony Jefferson. He ended up spurning them and going to the Ravens. It was obviously at one point a high level of interest in him. Will Parks is the name that was actually given to us yesterday. Benjamin Albright, who had been in Denver with Joe Woods, can play both safety positions. He can come in and cover the slot as well as a nickel. Uh, he is only 25 years of age, and I, I think if Joe Woods liked him, there's obviously you would think that there's a pretty logical connection uh, there. Sure. Uh, J. Ron Curse was just with the Minnesota Vikings, um, and so obviously he would know our DBs coach very well, Jeff Howard, and that's a name that you could look at as well from kind of the lower-end guys to kind of round things out. Now, they may go with, again, a guy like Andrew Sandejo, who had been in Minnesota for a long, long time, that Joe Woods would know, Howard would know, uh, Stefanski would know, uh, as a veteran to go put a veteran back there on the back end with your young guys. Um but so there are there are I think there are a lot of options still out there. Tavon Wilson, who played very well for the uh, Detroit Lions for a while, it remains out there at the safety position. So I do think there are still a lot of options out there. But that is a position that the Browns are going to need to address. And I think they could do it also, you know, in the second round of the draft if they were so inclined. But it's also a position that they may choose to address in free agency. Yeah, it's hard for me to imagine a scenario where you get to the draft and you don't have two starting safeties that come in via trade or free agency. Yep. You know, I wouldn't think you'd want to put it on a second-round pick to come in and start. You know, even if, if, if something were to happen the way Greedy did last year where he earned his way onto the field because of what he did in minicamp or what Mac did, like if those things happen, great. But I think that you want to have guys there. And I think that ideally, Sean sure. Redwine's your third safety. And then if you add one in the draft to be your fourth, fine, and let him contain, compete for playing time. But I think you've got to have two starting safeties that come out of this. Uh, you mentioned Vaughn Bell as well, didn't you? I know you've been consistent with mentioning yep. Vaughn as, as a fit, just 25 years old and uh, has, has started quite a bit for the Saints early on in his career. Okay, at linebacker. And this is the other thing, guys, we got to remember here is it's not just positional play, but I mean, you talk about some of the most vocal people on our defense who, who are no longer there um, with Kirko. And, and while Joe Show wasn't vocal, he had the green dot, and he got everybody lined up. And Max told the story many times of, of, of you know, Joe putting him in position right before snaps, especially early on as he was playing. So there's got to be that guy's got to come out of this room as well because we have, we have young guys we like a lot, but we don't, I don't know if we have anybody who's ready to wear a green dot. Do you, Z? Well, I mean, you'd say Mac Wilson, he did that for Nick Saban at Alabama, but that's a lot of responsibility to put on him in his second year here. A guy he thinks he could certainly can play the mic in this defense, uh, and so we'll see. But you would think maybe you want to bring in a, a veteran voice to this locker room. That's why we thought Danny Trevathan made a lot of sense, given his familiarity with Joe Woods from the yeah. days together in Denver. He ends up staying uh, in Chicago. So, yeah, that linebacking room is getting – it's getting a little bit thin in terms of the talent that, you know, was certainly at the top. Uh, Corey Littleton going to Oakland. Blake Martinez going to the Giants. Nick Kwiatkowski to Oakland. Trevathan staying with Chicago. David Mayo staying with the Giants. John Bostic uh, staying with the Washington Redskins. Tyler Matikiewicz signing with the Buffalo Bills. So some of the names are still out there. Joe Schobert remains out there uh, yeah. and has not yet found a deal, and you wonder if maybe – 
that's something that as he's tested the market, the Browns did have interest in keeping him, that maybe they are able to find their ways back together. Patrick Owasu, who was in Baltimore last year, uh, and Landon Roberts. We talked about Nigel Bradham. Um, there's, there, there are guys out there. Preston Brown, who was a guy that racks up tackles. Uh, there are guys out there that have played in this league. Um, I go back to a guy who would have some familiarity with, you know, Andrew Barry, you know, uh, Camus Gruger hill uh, from the Philadelphia Eagles. He's more of an outside linebacker, though, would, but, but could come in and play the will position if they did move Mack over to the Mike linebacker position. Taki, uh, you know, was drafted by last regime to be a, Mac, a Mike linebacker. So a lot there. And then the other position I think you have to look at, we talk about the depth on the D-line, and I think that's still something uh, very much important. So if they were able to get a premier pass rusher, maybe that signals the end for Olivier Vernon. But football-wise, they like him. I think they want to restructure that. But slot corner is another position. And here's where you could get some veteran leadership. A Logan Ryan, for example, a very good slot corner. He is out there. Chris Harris could play slot corner for you. Would probably cost a lot more, but obviously knows Joe Woods very, very well. Um, another slot corner that you could maybe even think about at this point would be a guy like a, a Ron Darby. Um, so there are still Nate Brian Poole, who played slot corner for the Falcons last year and did very, very well with it. There are a lot of names out there at the positions the Browns need. It's going to be kind of sifting through all this and finding the right fits because I don't think they want to break the bank with these guys. I, I think that well, there's maybe nobody there's left one to more. break the bank on, Z. I mean, the, the, well, the I mean, if you ended up making a trade for, for Harris, but say, again, safety is yeah. an undervalued position. That's a good value to pay $11 million for if you think he is a premier player. He's had one great year. Dante Fowler would be the guy that I think still that would be a, a – you know, a break the bank type scenario. Right. But I think, yeah, really what you're looking to do is fill in uh, the depth around it. I mean, you look at your starting line as it is today. It's Garrett Vernon, you know, Richardson, Ogunjobi, which you thought you had. Linebackers are probably Mac Wilson and Taki as it stands today. And then your defensive backfield, that's where you, you, you can't fill it out yet. You know, can't you have Money it. Mitch, you got Denzel, and you've got Greedy. Not one of them has yet at this point in their careers proven to be a reliable slot corner, which is why I brought up the nickel corner position. And you've got Sheldrick Redwine and, and JT Hassel at safety. So could you feel the team? Yeah, is it a team that you'd feel good about on the second and third levels of your defense it, just as starters? Probably not. As I was looking at uh, Sport Track, just looking at all of the – they got a great list of in terms of free agents, how they're available, you know, team options, so forth and so on. And I saw the name Michael Kendricks. <laughs> you remember – I, mean, I love Michael Kendricks. The, I loved him. It was one of the first shows we did was his arrival, and he came in with us and then, you know, was, was, was cut because of, you know, the thinking was he was going to go to federal jail relatively quickly, and he's played two years without – Without incident. He's still not yeah. in, is he? He's, I don't think he's scheduled to go in yet, is he? No, no. he's still. Not I that I've been be following his play. career. Yeah, yeah, but he's a really good football player who's played the last two years uh, after, after all of those things happen. On the defensive line, yeah, it's more, more depth. I mean, if, I think if the Vernon – I mean, if you like what you get out of him for football, and you should, he was great when he was healthy. Um, but if you can make a number work there, th that front four that you said is a, is a really good one. It's just a matter of behind him. You just have to add a little bit of depth. And it's at a position where, they're, you know, in terms of who's left, it's a lot of older players. Most yeah. of the guys are in their 30s. Uh, there's very few guys who you would view as, as in, in kind of the, the mold of a, of a good value, younger player ready to break through. Most of the guys on the defensive line who are available are older guys. Eh? 
No, you're right about that. And just just to go through real quickly, or actually we could do it after the break, but you know, you look on the defensive line and you're right. It is it is typically some older guys, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. Those guys know how to play the position. They know what they're doing in there. Um, some of the younger guys, that are, you know, you look at the top of the list, the, the one young guy that's left on the interior of the defense line is DJ Reader. Um, that would be probably the top, the guy at the top of the list from from an age and also upside standpoint. Timmy Jernigan's only set, you know twenty seven at this point as well. Um, but Pro Football Focus just put out of the hundred guys that are left, the top guys, and it's actually an interesting list when you think about it through a Browns lens in terms of let's do that slot next. corners. Uh, yeah, we'll do that next. Slot corners, safeties, like linebackers, and, and give some names for you guys to all kind of to think about. All right, we'll get into that coming up next. CBD eight fifty ESPN Cleveland. You're listening to Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. CBD on a Tuesday that sees Tom Brady move on from the New England Patriots on the precipice of Philip Rivers being a Indianapolis Colt and countless others on the move, including Cam Newton, the former MVP. And those are just the quarterbacks. The receivers moved yesterday with Hopkins going to the Cardinals and also Diggs going to the Bills. Uh, we wake up in an NFL that, that for the first time, when you, you think about how many years, Z, for 20 years, when you're doing NFL predictions on, on any show you did or even just for fun, you would pencil in New England Patriots number one in the AFC East. And I don't know what that looks like next year. And that's, that alone is hard to wrap your head around. Yeah, it's it's been an easy that's been an easy one to predict that you'd be very easy to just go out there Patriots and now now it looks like it could be the Bills division. It feels that way certainly. I, I think Miami's in position also to rebound yeah, pretty to make quickly a, if they sure. do things right. If they get that quarter, that's all about getting the quarterback. And obviously, many people think that the quarterback is going to be Tua. But if they get Tua and, and have an opportunity to you know grow with him and he plays well then yeah sure they could be they could get it going absolutely yeah or still could be active in the free agent market um you know you wonder like if Jameis Winston down there if they, if, if they t- kick the tires on him because you think about it there, there's a lot of talent still out there and and available yep. um in in what has been a wild you know 36 hours or so from the, from an NFL standpoint um all right so pro football focus best free agents still available let me make sure I have the right list. Does your list have the one with Tom Brady at the top of it? Uh, Tom Brady would be number one. Philip Rivers number two. Yeah, then, yeah, that's right. And then you got to go down. Um, so then it goes down to uh, we've we've some of these guys like Chris Harris uh, Jr. the quarter cornerback. Um, that 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 would not be a fit there. What, what is the first one? Let's see. Let's go down and see the first. Chris one Harris could be a fit one. if he's if he's coming into play the slot, which is something he did at Denver for Joe Woods. So I just I don't okay. know that they're going to make that much of an investment. Right. At this point, given the young corners, the that other they have, needs. I think that they will attract, uh, you know, will go after a slot specific type of a corner, a nickel corner. I, I don't think it will be at the price level of a Chris Harris. So this is so that would be something. And, you know, Money Mitch can kind of do both. Would were you say are you suggesting that they so, need that a priority would be to add a fourth corner that that? That's I've spoken, yeah, just in talking to people in the building back when we were when we were there and able to talk to them, and I asked specifically about Money Mitch. They do feel that he and Denzel have inside-outside versatility. I think they think Money Mitch is a guy who's a great spot starter and maybe ideally a fourth corner um, as opposed okay. to a third corner, and that 
if there were one that you would be looking, you'd be looking much more to bring in because Mitch, as I said, you feel good about him coming in if need be on the outside. We saw him do that at a high level each of the last two years. But uh, it's a nickel corner. It's a guy to just come in and be your full-time inside corner. Uh, that's what they do not feel that they have right now on the roster. So that's where if the Browns were to make a move, and we'll get to some of those names as we go through it, but that's where I could see that kind of a move happening. I see. Okay, fair enough. Down at number eight, haha, Clinton Dix. Uh, anytime I see safety, I see sure uh, they go over some of the issues with him in tackling, but he does make plays um, in 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 pass coverage um, and has flashed. Um, yep, flashed early last year with Chicago and then kind of tailed off. Yeah, it, it, it's at number eight and then number ten, haha, Clinton Dix at eight and then ten, Trey Boston, eleven interceptions, sixteen pass breakups over the last three years, and they say he's quietly been one of the best pure free safeties in the NFL, and he's done it with three different teams, which is just amazing to me. Uh, they said he is absolutely a game changer on the back end. Tackling is an issue, but Boston a perfect fit in a deep safety role for both single and two high safety teams. If the Browns play a lot of cover three, uh, in addition to the man or a man two under Joe Woods or even cover four, yeah. that's the kind you need a guy like Trey Boston to play either that single high or in a cover four or a man two playing one of those deep halves, and that's where he excels, uh, and that's where he's at his best. So. Trey Boston, again, a name, uh, this is not without, without any knowledge of a connection, just a name that I think and have thought clearly for a couple of years has made a lot of sense for the Cleveland Browns. We have talked about him yep. for two years. Yep. Trey Boston. I yep. remember a year ago, you go, let me give you a name, Trey Boston, when you're looking for safety. So we've talked about him a lot. I just wonder what's wrong with him. Like, if, does he not interview well? Does he not do well when talking to teams? Because he plays at a very, very high level, and he's always on the scrap heap, which doesn't make – he's not like he's old or anything. He plays well when he plays. He's a young guy, yep. talented. You just wonder what the issue is. It's one of those things, and I think maybe nobody has made a long-term investment in him, and so he's continued to sign you know, nice one-year deals and keep his flexibility. And I think this might be the year where somebody takes that plunge on Trey Boston, and I would not at all be sad if it was the Cleveland Browns. I think that he would be an yeah. excellent fit uh, there. We talked about some slot corners. We go down the list number 16 on their list, Logan Ryan. Again, he would have that veteran leadership. He would have been in a yeah. winning organization with the Patriots, with the Titans most recently, uh, and is a very, very solid. Solid, a consistent slot corner. Three years, last three years there in the, with Tennessee. I love that one. I, I think that is something that is going to have to be sorted out uh, because you're, you're going to have to find some captains of the defense here. Yep. Know? Um, and so you're going to have to find some guys who are, who are willing to lead and to talk. And there's two ways you can do. You can lead in many different ways. But I, I do think that there's that leadership has to come in on that defensive side of the ball. And with with the amount of guys who have connections uh, to Woods and to Stefanski waning, I mean, there aren't that many of those guys left. Um, it's something that that Andrew Barry and, and crew have got to be working on right away, I would think. Yeah, he and he would certainly fit that bill with that leadership and coming in from tough-minded playoff organizations in Tennessee and New England. So I think Logan Ryan would be an intriguing name if the price is right. Brian Poole, who was the slot corner I mentioned earlier, posted an 80 coverage grade, only allowed 7.4 yards per catch last year, which is his best season with the Falcons. Um, uh, some other names on the defensive side of the ball, another safety, Carl Joseph. And Carl Joseph's yeah, a sure. guy – 
that's been pretty good and would be more if you think of our safeties as kind of the the high and the box or the four safety that's where joseph would come in as that athletic in the in the box you know run stopper he has been pretty good there he has been a double digit defensive stops every season uh he is talent this is what they say particularly in a coverage scheme that plays with split safeties and will likely be available for a bargain given how his raiders tenure panned out i'm pretty sure joseph was if he wasn't a first round pick he was pretty darn close to it uh von bell would be another in that box safety type of a mold so that's where he hasn't been great in coverage, but he is he's a guy who can certainly play in the box. And I think with Joseph and Bell on one side and Trey Boston on the other with Redwine backing him up and maybe bringing in a Will Parks as well, I think all of a sudden then you feel pretty good about your safety room and, and how it could be going forward. Yeah, you mentioned uh, you mentioned Carl Joseph, second best strong safety in the by draft.com coming out, seventh best defensive back prospect in that draft. Uh, entirely so that yeah. he was a first round pick 14th overall so you had that right um orlando edgewater great great high school program down there and, uh, and a west virginia product and just 26 so there are some there are some still, still some guys out there are you surprised at all z that there that there hasn't been any defensive signings to this point from from ab in the group I think they're kind of sorting it out, and as things go on, you know that you can get better deals. Another name I'd keep an eye on is Mackenzie Alexander last year, fourth highest forced incompletion rate among all slot corners. Guess who he was with? The Minnesota Vikings. So there are a lot of names out there. I think, you know, we really haven't seen just on the defensive side of the ball in general. We've seen the top linebackers go. We've seen the top interior defensive linemen go. There's been a lot of activity, obviously, on the edge, as you would expect. But there is going to be a huge second wave. And at the linebackers, other than Joe Schobert, all the quote-unquote top names have gone. There's going to be a big second wave, and I think that's where we're going to see uh, the Browns be more active, I think, in this free agency. So kind of letting some of these things go, letting the dust settle and some of the chips fall, I think will allow the Browns to be. They made some splashes. As I said, number one priority for this organization, as it should be, is Baker Mayfield and making Baker Mayfield be – the franchise and so how do you do that we need to get him a tackle we need to get him help there we need to get another tight end to run this offense for Kevin Stefanski in the wide zone but also be as sure-handed as they come for our young quarterback who who was at his best working over the middle of the field didn't have that last year especially once the joke who got hurt in week two and so they've done that and also not only that getting a coach in the room for him in case Keenum who's well versed in this particular offense so I think that when you look at what they've done early, that's what it was. That was the number one priority, and now they have an opportunity to go ahead and sift through and I think find some good bargains. Like, for example, uh, Ronald Blair, we were just talking about him, goes back to the Niners. That was a name that the Browns had been interested in, who signed a one-year, I think, $3 million deal to stay with the Niners. That's the kind of guy, that's what we're looking at now. That second tier on defense to fill out this roster. And I think you can get some very, very good players, as we just talked about. Safety slot corner for sure. Linebacker, that's where they're going to have to evaluate guys that they know and that they think fit the system. That's where you're looking for some of those younger guys that could maybe be better than they had been in their other stops. Yep. Well said on your front. So all we were told with from Gibby in terms of what's coming up next is fun and frivolity. I have no idea what that means. Yeah. But I don't know if it means he's returning. I don't. I, I have no idea. So you're, we're all going to find out together. We're going to find out coming up next. CBD 850 ESPN Cleveland.
You're listening to Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. My wife's family's in the furniture business for nearly a century, so I know what good product is, I know what name brands mean, and I can tell you that my guys at Northeast Factory Direct are carrying only the highest quality of name brand furniture's names, you know, like Flex Steel in England and Klauser and more. They have Amish furniture as well. It's made right here in Ohio. You don't get higher quality than that. It costs so much less at Northeast Factory Direct. Don't forget, they carry those high-quality hot tubs, pool tables, game room sets. It's for your house. They do it, and they're going to do it cheaper than anybody else. My man Alex, so confident in his pricing, he's offering a one-year best price guarantee. That's right. I've been saying Northeast prices can't be beat, and now it's guaranteed. If you buy furniture or hot tubs from Northeast within one year, you find it advertised for less. Alex is going to refund the difference. See the store for details or at northeastfactorydirect.com. Check them out. West 140th Street in Cleveland, Lakeland Boulevard in Euclid, or Freeway Drive in Macedonia, or online anytime at northeastfactorydirect.com. All right, time for a little fun and frivolity, and Gibby returns. Go ahead, Gibby. Yes. Oh, good afternoon, gentlemen, from the confines of the Gibbs compound here in uh, beautiful Olmstead Falls. That's right. Life's pretty good for me. Uh, sitting at a table with a flowered tablecloth. That's right. Flowers, not berries, as those on Twitter may have Fruit alluded stand. to. They were incorrect. That was fake news. They are flowers. So just wanted to get that out there. All right, guys, as I sit here and come up with a few questions for you from the first 24 hours of, quote, legal tampering in the National Football League, here's question number one for you. If you had to make a wager, just a friendly bet between friends, maybe some Taco Bell involved, who wins a Super Bowl first, Bill Belichick or Tom Brady? Wow. I'm going to go with Tom Brady because I think that the Patriots with with Tom moving on are, are going to go for a little bit of a downturn, and I think Belichick might pass the torch to Josh McDaniels sooner rather than later. I realize Brady only has a one- or two-year window, but I think if either of them is going to win a Super Bowl in the next five years, it would be Tom Brady. Yeah, I was kind of with you on that point. Initially, I thought Belichick because he'd have more at-bats at it, but then you think he's in his late 60s. Like, how long right. is he going to do it? McDaniels keeps coming back. He went back to be the coach and waiting to begin with. Um, he may be just staying for another year or two to make sure that the, the rest of his staff, including his sons, are, are, are stabilized on that staff and know what they're doing and put them in the best position to go forward. Uh, and in the meantime, Brady can pick his spot. And of, of the places that, that you're saying that you see him reported to, Bucks and Chargers, maybe you think that, that those aren't, teams that are a quarterback away uh, but the Bears would be I'm not convinced that the Cowboys wouldn't be and there might be another team out there that we're not even considering so I think Brady's a correct answer what do you got next Gibby question number two guys on this Tuesday who won this trade the Indianapolis Colts or the San Francisco 49ers the Colts trading their first round pick pick number 13 to the 49ers for DeForest Buckner well I think that I think both win in this scenario, the the 49ers had a – and, Gibby, I know you don't like that, but I, I think both would. I think the 49ers had a glut of talent on the defensive line. It was one of their strengths, but you didn't need all that. You couldn't pay all of them. Conversely, the Colts are trying to win now, as we know, with, on the on the precipice of signing Phillip Rivers. Meantime, the, the 49ers can now go draft Jerry Judy or somebody like that at 13 overall and, and fix their receiver situation. So I think this is one of those rare situations where both teams win. I like it. I think it's a win-win as well. You know, at, at, when you first see a first-round pick, when you see that price tag, you usually think 
the team getting the first round pick as the winner. But uh, let me tell you, there are people in the Bay Area that are very unhappy that it was Armstead. Armstead was chosen over DeForest Buckner. There are a lot of people who think DeForest Buckner is a great, great player. I will say, though, because of the talent in this draft and their ability to get a wide receiver for Phillip Rivers to pair with T.Y. Hilton, uh, in this particular class, I'm going to give a slight edge to the Colts because they're going to get a guy who is very, very good, but also cheap. So I'm going to go there with the Colts. Next, give it. Question number three, guys, yeah. on this Tuesday. So much energy. Who has today. a new team first? Really Cam Newton or Jameis Winston? Man, Gibby put some real thought in these. These are good. Yeah, with some, um, yeah deep, deep. And he's unflappable deep. to our commentary. Have you noticed that? He's just like like a Clydesdale. He's, he's just not putting – he's just being a Clydesdale. That's amazing. <laughs> I want Brown Sarity to put like one of the Budweiser commercials and all of the horses are from Gibby's face. Gibby's face. Pulling the, through, pulling you and I along. Just, I'm locked in. I'm dialed in. That's dialed in. He's not having it. Um, it I, Winston will find a place first. Winston will find a place for the next week. I think it's going to take a little longer for Cam just because of the physical nature of it. We just have no idea um, what his health situation is. I think you, I think I would agree with you on that. It's I am still, and it's amazing. So much news, I, as he said. We wish that we were kind of you know spreading this news out a little bit, but it really is wild that a guy with his talent is not even going to get a a a starting job. It's crazy. And for a league that's been, are we entering? Are we about to enter a golden age of quarterback play? I mean, I don't know, but it just seems pretty wild to me. Yeah, I agree. Next, give it. All right, gentlemen. Question number four: Who improved themselves more? Buffalo acquiring their new wide receiver, Stephon Diggs, or Arizona acquiring wide receiver DeAndre Hopkins? From Houston. Jeez, Arizona. This is an, another good one, though. It is a good one. Arizona, slam dunk. You, you don't give up a one. Okay. You still have well, but that wasn't the, the question, sir. That wasn't the question in terms of the compensation. It was about who improved themselves more based on the player coming on. But it's also about what they're going to get to be, who improved themselves this offseason, right? So they get to have DeAndre Hopkins and pick well, eight. Whereas but based on Bills, just the player, which one do you think just the player? I would still rather have DeAndre Hopkins. I like Stephon Diggs a lot. I think Kyler yeah. with Cliff Kingsbury getting a receiver of that caliber uh, is huge. I think Diggs helps Buffalo tremendously, but they're still I don't think they're ever going to be a pass-first team with Josh Allen no. as their quarterback. I think you have that right, and I think like you, you think about the well, meat you. grinder that the NFC West is going to be with the 49ers, the Seahawks, the Rams, and now Arizona coming along. Defenses That's are dicey. in trouble. Defenses What's are that, in trouble in yes. that one. Yeah. By the way, here's a yeah. fun stat. I was just going through the Bill Barnwell article. I just found a fun stat to uh, about about our boy Austin Hooper, which I thought was interesting. When he was on the field, Austin Hooper, when he was on the field, Matt Ryan had a passer rating of 105.5 and a QBR of 70. Without yeah. Austin Hooper on the field, 86.7 and 49.8, respectively. Oh. Jeez. Oh. Gibby, go. Question number five, guys, on this free agent legal tampering period Tuesday. I think we can all just assume that Houston is probably the big losers so far in this legal tampering period. Who's the runner-up to the Houston Texans? 
Uh, I guess I'll say I'll say the Patriots. Um, just from the standpoint of from their fans' perspective, from an organizational standpoint, I think when you have somebody as you can speak to at the disappointment of your youth of, of losing a Tom Bra- of losing a Joe Montana. And by the way, uh, you had a Steve Young waiting. They have Jared Stidham waiting, and so well you, Joe was younger, of course. But I think what you want when you have somebody like that is you want them to play from a fans' perspective, from a manager's perspective. You want them to play their entire career in your place. Um, and this didn't work out that way, and so they will have to see the greatest that has ever, I think the greatest quarterback of all time, and the greatest certainly to ever wear their uniform, play somewhere else, um, and and I think they become less of a competitor because of it. So Houston by far is the, I have no idea what O'Brien's doing, but beyond that I go Pats. Yeah, I mean, if you lose Tom Brady, I think you, you laid it out pretty simply. You lose Tom Brady, that's that's a big one. I think as of today, another team I would consider would be the Chargers because but they're going to be able to fill it. But losing Philip Rivers and not yet having a replacement is is also, I think, a difficult scenario. Next, Gibby. Question number six, Tom Brady, the L.A. Chargers, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, or other? What say you? Gibby is on fire. What a delivery. He's so on fire with these questions oh, right now. Gibby, I love you. He's just killing it. These are incredible. Um I mean, everybody seems to be pointing towards Bucks. Is what everybody's pointing towards. I can understand it. I think that's a weird look fit. I think it's going to be weird seeing him in that uniform. To me, is weird. Um, I think playing in that division is going to be weird to see him playing in that division. Uh, but I suppose for you know seeing Joe Montana play for the Chiefs or seeing Brett Favre play for the Vikings and the Jets or Unitas play for the the Chargers or Namath play for the Rams, it was probably all weird. Um, but that seems to be the place. I think that makes the most football sense, uh, even more so than, than the Chargers. Um, and, and, and unless Chicago gets interested or Dallas gets interested, I, I think Tampa Bay, they got a really good young defense and they got studs on the outside. And, um, I think great tight end. They got everything that you'd want with a division that's kind of coming back a little bit. It seems like you have a position to win. Playing the NFC seems like the most logical yep. place, other than the fact that they're the Buccaneers and they're in Tampa, Florida. Yeah, I'm saying the Bucks, but I still think the Dallas Cowboys would be the most fun outcome possible yep. in this one if we're going to get just completely crazy. By the way, another name that I had mentioned uh, that had been, you know, that perhaps the Browns could have been interested in, Camus Gruger-Hill, who had been formerly of the Eagles, three-time special teams captain there, speedy young outside linebacker, uh, will be heading to the Dolphins on a one-year deal. I-, I think one thing that we're seeing in this free agent period here is a, a lot of shorter deals being signed by players some long ones obviously but a lot of shorter deals being signed one years three years as teams you know really and i think some guys maybe are saying all right let's see how this year goes and then we'll we'll lock in something next year when we're through all of this uncertainty yeah i i thought that that would happen with the old cba i'm a little surprised that it's that way with the new cba same. I think if there were no CBA, you'd see a lot of one-year deals. But sure. uh, I, I think some guys are also, you know, doing the bet on themselves. Yeah, I'm going to come into your organization, but I'm betting on myself that I can, you know, be very productive and, and springboard next year uh, into something bigger. All right. Last one, Gibbick. Go ahead. All right, guys. Final question today. A little fun on this St. Paddy's Day because we must. Most embarrassing thing that has ever happened to you on St. Paddy's Day? I was in radio. I was a young lad. <laughs> My radio station, though it'll remain nameless, needed someone to dress up as a leprechaun. I'm six feet eight inches tall. 
I dressed up as a leprechaun in green tights. And oh, my God. Brown's therapy. Brown's therapy. I literally cut the crotch out, and oh, I taped God. them to my legs. And I walked oh. around downtown all day. And I ended oh up being part God. of a major radio campaign promotion that involved me and my face oh and my, my outfit God. on a bunch of VHS tapes that went out to thousands of people all over Please. Cleveland and Northeast Ohio. Want to know the most embarrassing thing you've ever done Woo! or had happened to you on St. Patty's Day? <laughs> oh, my God. We need these tapes. How do we get these tapes? I need the tapes. Uh, I need images. Um, how do we? How are we just now finding out about this? I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Doing? What are we doing? Was it a big deal for you growing up in the Bay Area, St. Patty's? No, neither. Because it's it, it in the Bay Area. I think you're. It didn't have a heavy Irish population, um, as relative to the East Coast or to Chicago, et cetera, where it's obviously much, much, much bigger. Um, so it wasn't. But obviously, in college, then you got into it, and um, I don't have a, an embarrassing. St. I don't Patty's either. Day story. I mean, one time no. we went to when I was in college, we went to Savannah, which has a great. Uh, St. Patty's Day Festival right there on their kind of their boardwalk down by the river. Um, and all I remember is that we'd gone out big the night before and I was awakened uh, from my slumber with a chair shot to the head, which I did not appreciate. But that set the tone for what would be a, a rather raucous day of St. Patty's Day festivities. <laughs> that, that would do that. I'm with you. I, in Montana, we didn't have that. There wasn't there was a town called Butte, Montana, that had a huge St. Patty's Day, but it was about five hours from where I was and I wasn't going all the way there to do it. But in general, there wasn't much of one. The same was true of Cinco de Mayo. There really weren't. Both of those things were something that occurred when I moved east, and then I married a Cleveland girl, and that changed it entirely uh, in terms of the way that St. Patty's Day is handled. She's in borderline depression today with the idea that there's no no big St. Patty's Day celebration. Um, uh, that's a fantastic job out of Gibby. Great uh, job by Gibby, and I got a little a little breaking news to send us out of here, uh, at oh, least tease out, of, Give out a tease. of this segment. No, it's, it's, I think it's, it, 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 it'll be outdated by then if you we think? don't do it. Yeah, I do. Everyone's not on Twitter refreshing like we are. No, people are. Yeah, they are. And it well, involves it involves a, a former Brown. I know. Yeah. All right. Joe Schobert headed to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Five years, $53.75 million, an average of 10.75 per year, 12 to sign, 22 and a half guaranteed, a new face on that Jacks defense. So good luck to Joe Schobert, Ian Rappaport, with the breaking news there. Yeah, no surprise there that it was going to be another place for Joe. And uh, the money, I think, is is the great for him. I mean, that's awesome. That's that's great financial security. That's big yeah. payday that he got, $22.5 guaranteed. Um, and he will move on and, and play in Jacksonville next year. Final segment up next, CBD 850 ESPN Cleveland. You're listening to Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. All right, final segment here on CBD. This is from Tom Curran. Uh, it's the story of today that most will remember fire is, is Brady moving off of the Patriots. The quote is, uh, the door for Brady was left wide open. He just walked through it. Pretty interesting. Interesting stuff today. And interesting stuff in the last couple of minutes with Joe Schobert signing with Jacksonville. Love Joe Show, one of the best guys. And, and the, what I would say about Joe was what was really cool is he never said really no to anything. No. Uh, there were times when it wasn't wasn't easy to come on our show or, or or to come on to those coaches show remotes that we did and and oftentimes it would be rookies or undrafted guys who didn't know any better and joe was the exception to that 
was was there were several exceptions, but he was one of the ones where uh, if if he if you wanted to talk, he would come and talk. And he did a lot of stuff behind the scenes too, Z, where we would see him, you know, out at UH and stuff like that, and uh, do stuff on his own time. Just an incredible citizen. Um, and a, an incredible represent, representative of the Cleveland Browns. A, a great guy, and, you know, in, in a, the matter of a couple weeks, or a matter of a week, really, Christian Kirksey, a great, great human, and great player, great guy for the Browns, goes to, to Green Bay, and now Joe Schobert going down to Jacksonville. And here's an interesting one from Jeremy Fowler. He says, the Bengals were trying, to aggressively, were trying aggressively to get Joe Schobert but wouldn't match Jacksonville's final asking price, which is a massive five-year $53.75 million deal. I mean, he's out of the division. The, yeah, I wouldn't want to have to play against him. That would be sad. Yeah, yeah. I wonder what the what – the, um, yeah, there's teams out there, You and both of those teams that were bidding on Joe, I, I, it's interesting what their plan is because they – you know, it seems like Jacksonville really wants to play Minshew, and it seems – and obviously the Bengals are going to draft, uh, you know, Joe Burrow at number one overall. So what decisions do they make on those rosters? Uh, what what we can anticipate and what we can tell you is is from the time we signed up yesterday until the time we signed today, AB was busy at work signing people, and yep. there's probably going to be more of that, that there's going to be a lot happening in NFL free agency. Some big trades could still be in the mix. You may have a home for Tom Brady. Uh, all of these things are going to be happening. They're going to be happening fast. They're going to be happening furious. The next level will have you covered. And of course, we'll have you covered right here tomorrow on CBD. For Gibe and the Z, which stands for Zagura, I am merely Bo Bishop. Thanks for listening. CBD, 850 ESPN Cleveland. You've been listening to Cleveland Browns Daily, a production of the Cleveland Browns and ESPN 850 WKNR.